What's up, guys? This is the Talking to Star podcast. I'm your host, Connor Livesey. Joined by a very special guest today is Ali Kanali from the Read Optional is on the show. Ali, man, I am pumped to have you on as you were one of my favorite follows to follow for just X's and O's, you know, breakdowns on offense, defense, just everything in general. I think you're one of the brightest football minds on the internet. Um, the, the things you talk about and do are things that I love to read and listen to. So I'm excited to have you on and, and talk about the the Dallas Cowboys. Thank you for having me. What an amazing intro. Uh, I got to say, you know, I, I'm doing this today. I did not tell you this beforehand. This is day three of me having the flu. And oh. I would say quite badly. And usually you'll hear this all the time on podcasts, right? Sports writers come on and they say as a metaphor, this is like my flu game, right? They say that all the time. And they usually mean they're either hungover, they've had to drive somewhere, which sports writers hate, or they've had a new kid. And so it's like, I'm tired all the time. This is my literal flu game. And the only reason I would get off my flu bed, I swear to you, the only reason will be to talk about Dak. That's why I'm here. I crawled out of a flu bed because Dak, the, the, the star sign went up in the sky. People have started saying things online about yeah. Dak, and I had to ride out from the flu bed and say, I need to talk about Dak. People need to understand about Dak, and so here I am. So you you kind of, I guess you, you, you know, you kind of took the rug out from underneath everybody. We're going to spend quite a bit of time talking about Dak Prescott today as, as it's been a, the word that I'm looking for, I guess, would be hysterical discourse on Dak Prescott <laughs> after the last two weeks. Um I mean, again, as somebody who, and and the one thing I like is for for people listening, you're not a Cowboys fan. Just let's, you know, I want to get that. Oh no, I, no, not a right. Cowboys. Because that's I'm the it. thing is, you know, people who don't like Dak like to just think that the Cowboys fans who like Dak, yep. you know, don't have anything negative to say. So no bias here from you. You're <laughs> just watching the film. You're looking at metrics, and you're going, "Hey, this is what I think about this guy." Um, so I wanted to start there. A lot of the discourse from all the, you know, hot take shows and all that right now is, you know, Dak Prescott's at fault for losing the Jacksonville game, which I think is absolutely, utterly ridiculous. But I wanted to get your thoughts on how he played in general, because I sent out a tweet after the game. I was like, Dak played a phenomenal game for the most part. You know, he he had maybe two or three throws that I think he might want back or just make a different decision on. Um, but for the most part, I thought he was damn near perfect for the most part. So I wanted to get your thoughts on that and see where you stood on his performance at, at Jacksonville. Yeah, I thought he was good. I think there's questions there in that performance to go into kind of a deeper conversation about the entire offense, right? Where, where he's at, where the entire offense is at, both structurally and then just kind of some of the specific personnel stuff they've got going on. Thought, like you said, he left a few throws out there. And there's something with him at the moment that even as a huge admirer of his, the, the, the where I got myself in trouble in the, as you say, kind of national discourse yeah. was I compared him to Peyton Manning. I think people thought that I was saying he is Peyton Manning when I was saying he's the most Peyton Manning-like guy yeah. we have in the league in terms of line of, uh, of control at the line of scrimmage, which is where he's just on a completely different planet right now to anyone, even doing more cadence-wise than Tom Brady does. Tom Brady's a snap-and-go guy at this point. Dak is doing all kinds of stuff in the era when you need it to reveal rotation coverages and disguises and then attacking those rotations and disguises because he's he sussed it out using cadence or some kind of pre-snap movement. So he's just a next level rocket scientist, all that kind of stuff. And that's what Jacksonville does to you. You know, it's interesting how much pistol the Cowboys use in that game, which is not a 
huge, huge portion of their offense normally. And almost all of that is to keep the sight line clean down the field, usually during some kind of play action so that he can see all the rotation and movement because Jacksonville bounces in and out so much. Usually at the second level, those guys walk all over the shop, those linebackers, right? So he wanted to try and keep his eyes clean. So it was a really difficult task, and it calls on someone who is a rocket scientist, essentially, to figure all that stuff out. So I thought he was pretty good. I still have this thing with him at the moment where I just don't feel there are enough second reaction plays with him still. I think he wants to be Peyton Manning. And this is a, someone who loves, that's my favorite side of his game, right? I'm a complete nerd, dog, former scout. <laughs> that's my favorite part of his game. That's what I love about football. You still have to do the second reaction stuff in the modern NFL, right? And we see some of it, and he had a wonderful throw uh, off script, creating out of structure to, to his right-hand side in a scramble. You probably need, with this set of receivers, I was looking up yesterday, I think they're, bottom in the league in, in tight window throws in the NFL at the moment. Is that right? They create like yeah. no separation, right? So you have to, you can't play on time and in rhythm every snap when no one's creating any separation. Yeah. You have to cr- kind of create your own separation by buying extra time, moving and escaping out the pocket. And there was still, I'd say four to five plays in that game where he's making the correct decision. Ball is coming out correctly. And it would still probably make more sense to bounce and move and create some some separate rhythm out of the structure by himself. So that's the only real nitpicky thing in his game at the moment that's a concern other than, you know, we're seeing some disaster plays now, which we, we don't normally see from him. Right. And it's so funny you say that because for one, well, to go back to one of the first things you touched on, actually, I don't know if you saw this, but I sent a tweet out this morning and it was like, I didn't chart it, but it seemed like Dallas ran a ton of their passing game out of shotgun and pistol against Jacksonville. That's strange because their offense efficiency from under center play action um, has been nails this uh, this season. So I, I said, I wonder why they switched it up. And again, I have people on the show like you to <laughs> answer those type of questions. And and you did. I, I, I love that we didn't even talk about that, but um, that was something I noticed too, because they normally function so well under center running that bootleg play action game you know, the, the straight play action dropbacks, and then they get in a shotgun some and run some of that RPO stuff and just run straight out of shotgun. But you just don't see them do it as much as they did against Jacksonville. And it's kind of, I, like I said, I, I love to hear that they there was a reason behind that, not just that they were kind of going a different direction and seeing what yeah, that yeah. was. And I think, you know, their turn the back play action, which is their under center stuff, and they did some of the turn the back from the pistol. Though right. it's a, the rhythm of that's a bit clunky at times. Right. Um, that is to take strikes down the field. You just look at their A dot. I think it's around nine when they're under the center running play action. So they're they're trying to drive the ball essentially between the linebackers and then create on the move after that. When it's from the gun, it's as you said that flash fake. Yep. It's hard with charting services even to know if it's an RPO, if it's right. play action from the gun or whatever. Um, it's difficult on that stuff. But that most of that stuff is the bubble to the the three wide stuff they do. Um, maybe a snag slant to Gallup, who's that's his only job these days. <laughs> hey, Michael, go run another glance and oof, it's rough. And and yeah, I think the A dot on that stuff is about four or five yards. So again, it's it, the, the glorified screens when they do it from the gun. A little bit different against Jacksonville because they are so rotation dense at a very specific portion of the field, which is walking and moving guys down who were kind of in between. They almost function with like three dime linebackers, right? right. So, there's a lot of movement at the second level. You just want to have as much clean vision as possible on where those guys are at all time. And you saw, 
And also they had the issue, obviously, with the tackle spot too. So you don't want to turn your back as much as you would ordinarily want to to take shots down the field. And I think that that was pretty evident on the film that it was as much about, and same apropos of nothing, but the option game is way more diversified and varied when you're running from the pistol. And you saw with the arc lead they had down the red zone, right? The, there's an almost there's a wider there's just a broader option of plays available to you right. from the pistol than having the offset back. And then you have less of a tell in the option game. So, you know, I would like to see them. This is my kind of giant thing. You've set me off on a tangent here because the pistol, I wrote a giant screed, like 8,000 words at the start of the season about how it should be the year of the pistol. And if anyone should be embracing the pistol, it's Dallas, right? It gets you running downhill first rather than a lateral movement. That's kind of the, the key there over the gun. Keeps the quarterback's eyes down the field in play action as opposed to turning the back. Um, if you want to, you can kind of dress it up different ways. Whereas if you're in the center, you have to turn your back to the rotating defense. And then you just have a more varied option game, which is where that just has to be such a factor in the offense now because there are issues in the passing game in terms of creating explosives with that current group. You're going to have to be more dynamic in the run game. And it's not necessarily about getting Dak to move more, I don't think. But I do think it's about diversifying the option package and you can do way more in the option game and then layering out of the option game into play action, which they are going to have to gimmick explosives at this point, unless it's CD just mossing someone. Yeah. They're going to have to find ways through play design to craft big chunks through play action explosives. And I just think you can do more in terms of layering that stuff with the option game, which steals the hat into the box if they're doing it from the pistol than the gun. Yeah, and that, that's, like I said, it's a great point that I didn't, like I said, I don't think about stuff like that. That's why I like having guys like yourself on just to break that stuff down. And um, like you said, it's just tough right now. Like a lot of people are asking, we're going to get into the Kellen Moore stuff, the design stuff here in a little bit, which you talked about, we've touched on in a second, but you know, a lot of people are like, you know, oh, Kellen Moore sucks. I don't think Kellen Moore sucks at all. Like I think he's, he's a quality coordinator. I think there's things that, you know, he might leave some meat on the bone at times and he's not getting again, like, the personnel that they're giving with their pass protection and then the receivers outside of CD. It's just, it's, you have no speed, you have no explosiveness at the positions other than really Tony Pollard out of the backfield and CD lamb after the catch. But when, I mean, Michael Gallup looks like a shell of himself right now, just whether it's working back from the ACL or just still rusty, whatever it is. I mean, I don't, I don't want to go to as far as to say that, you know, Hey, he's on the, you know, the, the downward spiral already in his career, but, when you're getting wide receiver to production out of Noah Brown, who probably, even though he's had a nice little year, you don't want Noah Brown to be your second wide receiver. You know, he's a guy who, if you can use in certain run packages, you know, you can use out of that play action formation. You know, you want to kind of him to be your secret weapon out of those play action fakes and stuff like that. But when he's having to run a full route tree as your second most productive wide receiver, things aren't going great. So, um, no, and he- you don't even have to explain it, honestly. When they're calling every person alive who's caught footballs and saying, "Will you please come and play for us?" and they go, <laughs> and they call Odell every day, and he says, "I'm still not healthy." And then they call T.Y. Hilton, they say, "Do you still exist?" And he says, "Yep." And they say, "Cool, here's a contract." Right? They're telling you themselves something's not right there. Do you, and do you think T.Y. Hilton can help this offense with what he where I he's have, at in 2022? And have, have we seen him? Have we uh, I mean, it's him? it's been a while since. Yeah. So. I, I, you'd have to see him. I mean, he looked pretty fossilized to me at yeah. the end. Um, and I I would have thought he'd been on a team. I mean, 
he wasn't discussed necessarily in the same Odell conversation right. of these guys having this cool kind of career thing where for the final three years of their career, they say, well, I'll just wait till the playoffs and smoke a cigar, and then whoever's good, <laughs> I'll go play there, which I love as a, it's a right. ball career move, right? I just didn't think he was in that kind of category right. where uh, he, the league would afford him that. Uh, maybe I was wrong on that. Maybe he's been working out for teams, and maybe just you know having the six months, eight months to refresh, maybe it'll look great. I, I don't know. Um, it is a bit of a strange one to think, okay, that will go and solve the problem of having the least separation right. of any offense in the NFL. That's not an opinion. That's a Fact. stat from out there. It's 24th, I think it is, in the in the league, according to NFL Next Gen set stats in the, the amount of average separation. But that's 24th, including C.D. Lamb. Right. So you take C.D. Lamb out of that, and where does that number become, right? And that's kind of what we're talking about. The second piece is supposed to be Dalton Schultz. And, of, of course, they use the run game and Pollard, particularly as the explosive guy. To expect T.Y. Hilton to be dropped in with, he's probably going to have one week of proper game time to like right. get up to speed. It, it would be pretty wild if he became a real impact piece. And this is a team that's trying to win the Super Bowl, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not a team with expectations. Hey, let's get in the, the playoffs and win a game. Like the, the point here is to win it all. That's why they kept the right. roster intact. I, I don't disagree with anything you just said. I also don't think it's far-fetched for him to be in two weeks a second, like, oh, yeah. dangerous weapon on the, on the team because of how bad it is right now. <laughs> like, even if he's 70% of what he once was, like, some of that just veteran savviness and reliability yeah, I mean, I catching guess, the football. Like, I guess the thing is that his size, does it compromise a lot of what they want to be? And I know they right. kind of shape-shift quite dramatically on a week-to-week basis at this point. It's one of the things with Kellen that I don't have an issue with because he's very clearly very smart and very capable. And they often just maul people, right? (laughs) Like very early in the game, it's just like he crushes people, which means he's nailed the entire week. He knows exactly what the tendencies are. He knows how to get people off balance, all that good stuff. There are issues in game. I do find issues with his sequencing, which I think harm him later in the game. That's the things... biggest my issue with him is his yeah, yeah. sequencing is the best way to describe it, I think. And then if he's throwing off that this was the plan for the week, I think they have a real tough time adapting unless it's that go make plays. Yep. I also think one tiny little thing, which may just be my own either sense of insecurity or or how I would be if I was the OC of the Dallas Cowboys, this, that, that's very possible, is I think Kellen Moore likes Kellen Moore a lot. Yeah. And there's a lot of plays they run is look how smart our offensive coordinator is as opposed to this is the right play for the right time. Um, the end of the Jacksonville game is the prime example where he went all the way. I mean, they, the, his first year there, it was either um, slam the ball into the line of scrimmage or a gimmick. And the gimmick right. is to show, look how smart Kellen Moore is, right? I, I hated the... The I mean it it wasn't like a negative play by any means, but the play before the intercept no sorry the play before they threw the deep ball to Noah Brown in regulation they ran Pollard in motion on like a motion toss on second and ten I think it was and I was just like what. What, the one I mean, with no one in the backfield, he right. like fly from the flank. Yeah, he was lined up on the boundary and motioned into the backfield. And it was like a motion toss or something. I don't know. It was, it was, a, it was like a sweep that they had ran and with Pollard in motion. It was just a strange. That's what, when I watched that, I was like, th- there was no reason for you to call that other than like, let's see how cool this looks when, <laughs> if it yeah. works. Well, he probably has the coolest whiteboard in the NFL. You know, he thinks of really creative, different things. Right. 
he's packaged together all you know I, I whenever i go on on podcasts people ask me about their offense and it's tough in the nfl at the moment because a lot of the offenses are the greatest hits everyone is running the right. same 15 concepts those are the best concepts and everyone runs them and they dress them up a little bit differently kellen to his credit is like no i've got 40 originals i've yeah. got all these deep cuts i've got demo tracks you've never heard right. and it's like this is cool stuff man it's not all necessary on the most valuable play of the right. game Okay. Yep. Uh, one one of the best quotes I think I've got on this podcast was actually from Robert Mays at the end of the playoffs last year and they lost to San Francisco. And he was like, offense creativity isn't involved, like in the stuff we're talking about. Like, it's not always like this big brain, like, whoa, what was that type of play call? Like, offense creativity is a lot of what like Doug Peterson does with that offense, like the way you manipulate defense and leverage defenders into thinking the ball's going this way, but it's really going that way, blah, blah, blah. Like, manipulating space to clear up free space on one side of the field, whatever it is like. And, and that's, you know, we talked a lot about that after that show. Cause he was like, you know, a lot, I hear a lot of people. And again, like I think Cre- Kellen has some creativity to his game plan, but like offensive creativity in 2022, isn't the double reverse or the, you know, Philly special stuff. Like it, it doesn't have to be that. It can just be like, how can we be creative enough on offense to get our players in the best position where we don't have to ask our quarterback to throw into tight windows on 90% of our passes? Like that's the creativity I think we want to see more of. That's where it's tough for them because Dak is a line of scrimmage control freak. He's still working for Mike McCarthy. <laughs> and so a lot of those concepts are still you when they're you hit the top of his drop and you lay it down, it's still a lot of the old Green Bay stuff. It's still all isolated. It's all designed to attack zone for the most part. And the league is playing more zone than it has in a long time, but still 50% of snaps are man coverage snaps. Those are the most difficult snaps to win. And the rest of the league has said, we're building our entire playbook around the most difficult snaps. And if we get the zone looks, well, then we'll figure it out on the fly. Our quarterback will go and create. And really, you know, if you're building the ideal scenario, that's you would describe it and say, well, that should be us, right? We're Dallas. That can move. So let's do that. And he's the one who can figure it out fine. You know, he's a genius. So it's almost like they've built the offense back to front in many ways. Um, and it's it can be a frustrating watch at times. But then they'll have drives they put together where he's doing stuff that is, like, really fun. You know, right. they're doing fun stuff. Dak is fully ticking and they're flying. And it's like this is they're in a groove and it's cool and it's different than the rest of the league. And that that is fun as just a neutral from the outside. But they have probably more frustrating drives yep. than they should have for, for a team of the caliber. It's the Cowboys, so it's like the word of word of the team, I guess you could say, is consistency. Like you'll get again the Jacksonville drive, the game's perfect. Like three drive yeah, outside of that first drive where they didn't they punted, you know, they took the delay game that punted, they went three straight drives, scored touchdowns. It was like this is gonna be a blowout, you know, it's twenty one to seven or whatever. And it was like this is gonna be a mess for Jacksonville. And then the second half starts. And again, my, one of my other biggest issues with Kellen is I feel like we've seen we're gonna get into that next, but that interception that seems to happen a game now, or the two that seems to happen a game, whether it's Dak's fault, the receiver's fault, the offensive line's fault, whatever it is, that pick happens. And then it goes, all right, we got to play conservative for these next couple drives. And it's happened so often where they, they throw that pick or the pick happens. And then the next drive it's run, run, you know, four yard pass punt. And it's like Greg Olson, I thought did a really excellent job of breaking that down um in the game on on set on, on sunday is you know he was like hey you know that's a really good quarterback one of the best in the league like don't get conservative here because you threw a pick it's it's that's only gonna hurt you and then they literally went 
negative run on first down, two yard run on second down, and then Dak scrambled for a yard, and then they punted, and then Jacksonville went down and scored, and then it the whole momentum of the game game shifted after they decided to kind of hit that conservative button. Um, but I kind of want to get into what I, you know, said there the the interceptions. That's been the second biggest topic of conversation after this Jacksonville game, and obviously interceptions aren't good. You know, it, it's you want to go through, you want to break them down. You want to point the finger, place blame. Most of the time, anytime that quarterback throws an interception, most people are going to blame the quarterback. I think there's more to it than that. I think there's more context involved in that discussion, but what's your kind of thoughts on the interceptions that that Dak's thrown here this season? I know he's got a bunch of them here since he's come back from the injury Um, 11, I think it is total in the season now. Um, But what's your thoughts on those? And, you know, I'm not, telling you to go through one by one and place blame on who it was, but kind of just breaking down the overall theme of the interception talk. That's been a big topic of conversation. Yeah. I'd say back of a notepad, you're probably looking at 50, 50, I think is it would be a decent breakdown. I, I think a lot of it are conceptual flaws. I don't think there's a major, major accuracy issues that comes up with Dak all the time. I don't think it's, it's necessarily a fair, a fair thing to put on him. I think he's, he's, accurate enough you know i think he's he's a very accurate quarterback and when he's on time and in rhythm and everything's rolling he's fine i do think that the return to this thing of the second reaction plays it's just not the same as it was two three years ago obviously post the injury he's, he became a different player and i think it's this it's this battle between the play he wants to be and then what be the maximized version of him and trying to figure out where that happy middle ground is and you can look to someone like the Bills and how they use Josh Allen, which is like only in high leverage situations do we unleash kind of maximize Josh Allen. And it's a right. different way to me because I don't think you actually need to run Dak on the option to eradicate almost any of the mistakes. I think if if Dak couldn't run properly, it would be totally fine. I think you could win multiple titles with Dak Prescott as your quarterback without any ability to run with the ball as long as he can bounce and move and create a little out of structure and there's a real insistence with him to say i'm going to stay within this framework i'm going to read through it one two three i am tom brady i am peyton manning i am joe burrow and watch me rip you apart and there are just times given it it goes back to what you're saying before almost to the point maze made where they just run a really high degree of difficulty offense it requires an awful lot of him to be perfect all the damn time both in the reads in the choreography of the route distribution there's it's all isolated all one-on-one football and the ball has to be in the perfect spot over and over again and it's a lot to ask someone to do 35 40 times a game if it's required of him and so you're gonna get a mess up and yeah he Dak's always been good for disaster plays though I find it strange that people would think it would be something new I mean maybe it's just something that doesn't look this season that one as we said about I don't know what you would say, four, five, six of them are tips or right. just unlucky ones. Um, and then there's the other thing that this drives me crazy. Like the other team has good players. Right? <laughs> they get paid. The other team has all pros. They have pro balls. It's the NFL, right? So everyone everyone has good players. Now, are there mistakes he can eliminate? Yes. I don't think he's the type of guy who is regularly making back-breaking cost of the game mistakes even the ones in Jacksonville, like you said, one of them, that is a, the first one is a disaster play. And Dak is good for, I think, one of them a game, maybe two. Okay, that was a disaster play. Okay, well, he made more than enough good plays to overcome the disaster play, right? right. Even the first third down of the game, the rip to CD Lamb, right? 
huge completion down the seam. Go look at the top of his drop. You tell me who to throw the ball to. Right. It is a wasteland out there, right? So there's not that many guys around, believe it or not, who will be willing to hit that seam ball. But that's his comfort zone. He is cool in the isolated world they've created for him. That's clearly of his design too. Otherwise, it wouldn't be that way. Um, so I think he more than offsets that one disaster play with even throws like that. That to me is pretty much an, an even even deal situation, that one disaster to even that first third down of the game, which ends up being a scoring drive. So you've got to give him that one for the disaster one. And the second one, it's a tip ball. I don't know what he's supposed to do about that. It was in the hands. It was, you know, right. wasn't the perfect ball, wasn't ideal. Shouldn't have been picked off though. All right. Yeah, and that, that's the discourse that's been just absolutely crazy to <laughs> see, I guess, and even have people have an opinion on is just like terrible decision. Like they were breaking somebody was breaking down his mechanics the other day as he was, you know, avoiding pressure and throwing off, you know, off platform. And I was like, you you see every quarterback in the NFL do that weekly. Like Justin Herbert does it a million times a game, <laughs> rolling rolling out and throwing 70 yards down the field off platform. And it's just like, I don't know. It's it's kind of like I said, the I, the only way I can describe it is the discourse around Dak and the Cowboys in general. A lot of times it's just hilarious to kind of look and see. It's, <laughs> it's like politics almost. It's like you got one side dug in and the other side dug in and there's just no middle ground about it. And unfortunately it can be a absolute dumpster fire to witness when you're, when you're seeing it and your mentions are getting flooded with everybody's hot takes. But um, now, now, who who are these quarterbacks? Is this just in the Cowboys fandom you saying? What they break down like the mechanics of the throw? Yeah, yeah. yeah there's literally, we... there's there's literally a tweet. I'm gonna I'm gonna read it to you just to see what what we have to <laughs> what we have to put up put up with at times around here. Um, so there was a tweet the day after the game, and it was a screenshot of like the ball being released, like where he was at release. So you know, he kind of had like the Jordan pose going on, you know, and um, the tweet reads. I don't care if Noah Brown was supposed to catch it. You are not Patrick Mahomes. You are a guy who stands in the pocket and makes the plays. This is a stupid throw. He does this about four to five times per game and nothing good ever happens. <laughs> that's, that's that's what I have to put up with after games. <laughs> well, I, the one thing I will say is I, 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 I think this was maybe of last week, so maybe not the, the Jags game. I think he's 17th in EPA per play this season, so down-to-down efficiency, basically, when throwing on a scramble, so not a designed rollout. Or right. boot. Now, that's not good, and it's not good enough for him. He's too good sure. a player, and he is absolutely a twitchy enough guy as, as a thrower to be able to do all the off-platform and arm Absolutely. angles and all that stuff. I mean, that's who he was. It's like this thing. It's like the guy saying there, you're not Patrick Mahomes or whatever. Well, I mean, when he came out of college, he was the spread option quarterback. And, you know, he would. And now it's like, well, excuse me, sir. You're just supposed to be Peyton Manning. You've decided you're Peyton Manning. So just be Peyton Manning now. It's like, hang on a second. All he did was he injured his ankle. You know, I know we had a, a devastating injury. Okay, but it doesn't mean that he's not able to do any of the flexion right. stuff in his hips and create off script. He, he and, did it to the t- the second touchdown to Noah Brown, like rolled yeah, out. It was an outrageous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, it's, yeah, it's just that. Now, going back to it, though, like that's a real thing that for sure. them to be a better, more consistent offense, one that just doesn't have dead drives, essentially, where it's not, hey, we're rolling, we just cut through people and it looks easy, which is what that offense does, right? When it's rolling, they make it look easy and then they just get stuck in the mud 
and it'll be three, four yes. drives. And it's like, what happened here? I think that drive sustainability, he just had to take ownership of the fact he's got to play better off script. Yep. And again, you know, I've written about this with Mike McCarthy before. It's very, it's very, very strange because Mike McCarthy is completely lost to history as the pioneer of genuinely innovative second phase offense in the NFL with Aaron Rodgers, of him saying, okay, this guy refuses to play within the rhythm of the initial script of the play, right? The read of the play. Rather than having a regular scramble drill, I'll build in secondary phases to the offensive design in different concepts. So it's not the same scramble drill rules every time, right? One short, one medium, one long, and we'll just figure it out. And they'd have full second concepts in their concepts because they knew how Aaron Rodgers liked to move and bounce around, right? So Mike McCarthy has these brilliant big brain ideas and then he kind of walks away from the building, I imagine, for six months and everyone else gets on with it. And then he wakes up in a shock when they're in the playoffs and it all goes wrong, right? But that is in there. That that guy, he exists, he's in there, and he's willing right. to work with a quarterback strength to do that. So for them to not have more in kind of the second phase of their offense to make life easier for him when he moves, that is part of the issue when you have such an isolation-based offense and we're running mirrored concepts all the time. And, you know, it's two goes and two outs. Right. And it's very static and rigid. And I've got a look and I've got a fire. So now I'm moving and creating. And I've only really got two guys on this side of the field. And that side swamped with zones anyway that's where they can do way more for him through play design to kind of enhance the element of his game. And I just think that it's strange to ask this offense because they do everything. And if any, if anything, they do too much at times. And I like the offense most after the Cooper rush fad, when Dak came back and they were kind of running a more similar Cooper rush style offense, a bit more slimmed down, um, a bit more movement too, particularly with the pocket it rolled and flowed pretty well. They've added more back in again, again, over the weeks. It almost becomes a bit cumbersome. There's almost too much right. going on. And it gets back to what we were saying before about the sequencing and the layering of plays where is this a play just for you for the whiteboard? Or is this a play to, as Mays was saying, set something up with the defense to try and create some advantage for later on? Are you pulling the guard on this play to just pull the guard on this play? Or is that to layer later on when you go for a long trap play so you can really hinge the linebacker and throw behind him yeah. and there's to me there's way too many isolated single watch this play and that's fine if you've got i mean it's fine anyway but it, it's fine particularly if you've got four or five like hey these are all you know these are our shot plays payoff right. plays when it's this is how i think we'll move the ball for five yards look at all this fun in games in the run game which is a lot of what he does kellen moore right to, to basically try and slingshot our run for six yards it's like, well, why is there anything? Are you going to come back to that same motion in action later? And you compare that to the Eagles, every single thing they do has a point. And every single thing you're saying, at some point when you don't realize it, we're going to break you over the head with a 40-yard bomb off the exact same initial run action, and you will not see it coming. Is this the run? Is this the RPO? Is it the play-action shot? I've got no idea, and the ball is going over my head, and we are in trouble. Right. And that to me is the giant difference between the two where Kellen has all the right designs, tons of innovative designs, but that so much of it is siloed one play by one play by one play. And the whole package just doesn't always come together. And I think that's why they sometimes just hit a brick wall mid game. And he's like, well, let me go through another 10 of my great plays that are all wonderful individually. And they just keep slamming against a brick wall. Yeah. Uh, that's, and like, I mean, that's pretty much, you just described exactly how I feel about Kellen. Like, don't think he's bad. I think he could be a lot better than he is at times. And that's like, I mean, again, I hate to ride the fence, but that's kind of where I'm at with him. And 
I think I think that you brought up that scramble, you know, the EPA per play on the scrambles and stuff. And I just I think my biggest my biggest thing there is I feel like a lot of the picks, which obviously hurt your EPA a lot when you throw those picks, have come on those scramble things. And you know, week one at Tampa, I know we threw the one into I mean, that was one of his worst picks of the year when he just winging <laughs> a prayer, threw it straight into pretty much triple coverage and it was picked off easy, but um the one he had picked uh, last week, the the first interception against Jacksonville, it was a scramble out to the right and arm gets hit, whatever it is. Like, it just seems like something, whether it's the concept, whether it's the pressure, whether it's the bad throw, like something seems to always go wrong on those scramble drills right now. And it's, and, it, it, and it's, that's 16th makes so much sense. Cause then he also makes huge plays on the scramble. So it's like, you, you're living and dying by it at times with the, you know, when you're looking at the EPA, cause it's like a lot of goods happening from it, but also a lot of bads happening from them. And I feel like if you can just cut down some of that bad, we'd like, we'd probably see that look a lot better than it does right now. But like you said, a lot of it, a lot of it's just got, I think the way you describe it's perfect. It's a lot of the time it's just asking the quarterback to be a hundred percent perfect. <laughs> and when you got, when you got a, 50% Michael Gallup and Noah Brown is two of the three guys that are getting a lot of those targets. You're asking for danger a lot of the times. I mean, and I'm not sure of anyone, myself, Nate Tice, uh, Mrs. Prescott, if any <laughs> of the biggest Prescott fans alive, Jerry Jones himself, have ever described that Prescott as being perfect. I just think no. he's a he's a brilliant player, and I think he's woefully under-discussed for his particular brand of excellence. Right. Um, it's just a lot of stuff people don't care about, frankly. Sure. You have to be a true dog. And, um, and, right? that, and, and that's what the you know topics of conversations on Twitter and all that turns into is they're like, what do you even like about, you know, when people get mad at me because I'm like, hey, dude's really, you know, really fucking good at playing quarterback. You know, they're like, yeah, what yeah. do you like about him? I'm like, like, I'm not to be not trying to be a you know dick, but it's like some of the stuff that I just don't know if people understand, like the pre-snap stuff, the cadence stuff, like all the stuff you started the show with, like he's just really good at playing the position the right way. And again, he doesn't make the Justin Herbert throws, you know, that he, I think he can, but he just doesn't do it a lot. And he's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not the runner that Josh Allen and the big arm that those guys have. But like what he does from a rhythm standpoint, a pre-snap standpoint, you know, reading defenses post-snap, like when he is on his absolute A game creating off script, I think that that's just you look at it and you go, damn, the dude's really freaking good. And I just I don't it, I don't know. I mean, it's the Cowboys. So I know a lot of people hate them they you know the love hate stuff but yeah it's People, exhausting. You know, if, if you were doing some kind of i don't know a madden or something i don't even know how madden does the grades anymore these days uh, i think i aged out but you know if we had categories of tens he would he'd just be a seven to eight in pretty much everything right. except for the mental smarts where i think he would be maxed out as a 10 and people would be more inclined to trade off some of those eights to get a 10 in arm talent or, or a 10 right. in you know uh off platform throws and I, i'm like i'm cool with the guy who's eights and everything and is a genius I'm, I'm i'm totally happy with having that guy who you can hand any offense which they've done i i can't imagine based on the amount the volume of plays i'm not talking concepts most teams in the nfl they're in the same concepts over and over again they dress them up in different ways they run different concepts every week over and over again it is so difficult it's like throughout the season they are running three or four different offenses entirely right with different concepts that don't marry up to anything they've ever done before 
particularly in some of the run game and some of the certainly the horizontal RPOs if they're doing all of a sudden they got these slingshot orbit motions it's two back football we're playing triple option football on the perimeter again it's like okay Dak let's go that's not easy to do mid-season right go watch the Packers offense with Aaron Rodgers self-purported genius that's the same offense it was three years ago conceptually that's why it's broken Right, this guy, they just say, Hey, Dag, here's uh, 20 new concepts this week. Be ready to go for Sunday high five. <laughs> and he's like, Okay, no problem. Yep. And that that's why, you know, some of those picks early in the, when he first got back, you know, so much, so much, there's so many picks thrown where he was just in rhythm firing a ball and a dude, you know, was reading it as a different coverage, you know. So it's, yeah. we, we see that happen a lot. And again, that's just stuff that, that it's going to happen when you have a quarterback that plays in rhythm and, in, you know, in sequence and he, he hits the back foot and lets the ball go. And he's trusting you to be in the right spot and trusting you to read the defense the same way he is. So that's, that's one of the, the, the crappy byproducts of having the optionality of the offense. Everyone wants option routes because they sound smart and it makes everyone sound clever, particularly right. these, like newfangled deep breaking Sean McVay, get downfield, find some grass. And we're, you know, we're all going to the Super Bowl, and you, everyone looks like a genius when Matt Stafford rips one over someone's head in the NFC championship <laughs> game. And, Everyone is very clever when you when you you know bleep up the five yard out you read in he reads out and it's like oh no and you slam yourself in the head it's like why why are we including why don't we just predetermine everything you know yeah. it's it's happened it happened to Brady you know not at the same volume again he's not Tom Brady he's not Peyton Manning to me obviously by just saying that the skill set wise he's way closer to that vein of quarterback than he is the off script script creator, but that guy I still think is in there and I would like him to unleash it more. Yeah. Um, and the production in that phase of his game, as you said, way too much. If you're going to have that side of your game and not do it as much as he's done in the past, it has to be at least effective. Ideally, it cannot be destructive. Right. And for that to be where your turnovers are coming is just, is just no bueno. Yeah. All right. Last question on that. I know to get into this Philly Cowboys matchup coming on Saturday. That's kind of lost some of its, Glitz and glamour after the Jalen Hurts news, but we'll still break down, talk a little bit about it. Um, I'm putting you on the spot. I didn't. I this. I told you I wasn't going to do this to you, but I'm going to do it to you just because I'd like to get your thoughts on it. Where are you at on ranking him out with the quarterbacks in the NFL right now? Uh, I'm not. You don't even have to do like fifth or sixth. You can just talk him in tears or whatever it is. Talk him in tears. I mean, to me, you know, personally, for me, I have right now, I'd have Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, Pro Herbert as the four in a complete tier at their own. I do think Hurts, honestly, just on this year alone, is edging way up close to that than people kind of want to believe in themselves. Yeah. That there's everyone's got this doubt in them. I like, could we say that? But it's like, no, just on pure play production film alone. He would be pushing in, into that fifth spot. And Dak would be, for me, in that group after it that right now would be, um, you know, Lamar, Aaron Rodgers sliding back. Um, it's it's hard when you get into the guys who have been there. For the ones who are, yeah, the, yeah. the guys falling off Brady stuff is, is getting hard with those guys. No matter which way you slice it, I would have Dak in my tier two. I haven't figured out who else is in that tier, but he would be yeah. in my... He'd be right at the top of my my tier two, guys. As I said before, I would have him in seven or eight in every category you want across the board. I can run a true triple option with him, and then I get 
the top line of scrimmage control freak in the league. That is like, if you handed any coach in America, <laughs> that was just, you said that blind test, you know, n- nothing else. No, didn't say about arm, talent, anything else. You just gave those few things. They would all rub their hands gleefully and say, sign me up, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I mean, again, like, I think when he's on his game, he's, he might take him in front of some of those guys in the tier one. I think with what you consistently have, you know, he's looked at, to me, in my opinion, he's a five to seven to eight quarterback in the NFL. And that's just a guy I don't get why people have so many issues with and are, I mean, ready to move on from. But um, yeah, I want to want to get some of your thoughts on just the NFC in general. And just, you know, we got a big one coming up this weekend, uh, Christmas Eve with Philadelphia. Um, you know, like I said, it's kind of lost some of its, it's it's glamour with with the Jalen Hurts potentially it kind of sounds like he won't be playing um but I think I mean I, I tweeted it last night like Jalen Hurts is playing phenomenal football um I still have Mahomes as the, the league MVP if 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 I had to vote on it but I think Hurts is your, your your second option there and I think this Philly team's just still good enough to win if Gardner Minshew just can control the ship and the the thing that I'm really interested to see is that offense runs so much through Hertz's ability to run the football, manipulate the running game. And what does it offense look like when that's not there? Um, and that's kind of what I wanted to get your thoughts on. Like, do you think this Philly offense can still be as dangerous? I mean, obviously I, I, I don't think the answer is going to be yes, but can it still be dangerous enough to give defenses fits? I think it can be dangerous in a one game sample size because you, they still got playmakers on the perimeter, right? They can still run the ball that they have that front five that is just unbelievable. Absolutely. You know, I don't know what anyone's supposed to do against those guys. And they, they're so outrageously good in pass protection too. The Gardner Minshew will get time. And he's kind of the perfect guy where you can see Gardner Minshew just in your mind, you close your eyes. You're like he could drop 40 on us. Yep. Somehow, and he could go f- three and out four times in a row. And then he gets benched. He's just that kind of player. You yep. never know which one you're going to get. And so that that is who he is. Where things just completely implode for them, and I'm sure they'll be fine, is what I talked about before with the layering of their offense, where every single action they do has a consequence for you defensively, that they're either sounding something out or they're going to return to some kind of play-action shot or quick RPO shot or even a second or third level read of the RPO, which is a lot of what they're doing now based on all that early run action stuff that includes Hurts and getting either force you to get the extra hat into the box or to have to account for Hurts. Without him in there with Minshew, you just completely eliminate any of that, right? And the second thing for them is most important for Dallas is in that first matchup, so much of what they did was let's just freeze Micah Parsons, right? It right. was the be- no one can block this guy to even try to do it, even though we've got the best offensive line in football, probably the best line we've seen since those Pete Cowboys teams, right? They are that good as a collective. Even we know we can't get near this guy. <laughs> no matter, you know, no, no matter where they, we got five studs all across the, the bow, and it doesn't matter where they line him up, no one's got a chance. Yes. So let's just freeze him in space and let the space be the blocker. And we'll make his indecision or indecisiveness or not know where to go be the blocker. And they ran that slide RPO right over and over again, right in his face. He stood there, no idea what to do. The ball flies behind him or Hurts takes off. And he's like, well, I, I, no one's blocking me. I'm used to just crushing people. <laughs> and then I go and get the quarterback. Again, with Minshew, I mean, he can move a little bit. Maybe you can still do some of the slide and freeze concepts. Possibly I would try it if I was them early on just to see if it has an impact. But if you're Parsons, what, you just run headlong into Gardner Minshew and you see if he's got the ball or not, right? So it just lose so much of that effectiveness. It's just, you know, it would, it's not, it's not 50% the same offense, but they have so many good players. 
it's an offense that can still be effective, right? Goddard's still going to play this weekend. Um, obviously, AJ Brown. Um, so Devonta Smith too. So they can be. If they would just, if you just said now they actually they run a Kyle Shanahan offense and Gardner Minshew's in it, that would be. You could see in your mind how that would right. be a super explosive offense, right? It's what, what they were doing was so specific to having this really special player at quarterback that to swap those two out in a one week sample is pretty tough. I don't mean to say this and to like discredit Hurts by any means because this is it's truly not what I'm doing, but like you'd think, and maybe it's because coming in this year, Philly didn't know if Hurts was like their dude or not. Like he, they, that was still a question coming into the year, but. You think that they would probably next year do the Baltimore Ravens thing where like their backup quarterback can do a lot of at least the run concept stuff yeah. that Lamar, you know, how they do Tyler Huntley and Lamar Jackson. Like that would be if I was Philadelphia's GM, I'd be like, all right, next year we're getting a runner, a backup quarterback. <laughs> so if things do happen like this again, we can at least continue to run our run concepts and feel good about that. It's tough because the the running aspect is almost like the the non-important part it's the right. deep accuracy so to find if yeah if you find the guy who can do the regular deep accuracy you found yourself another mvp right. it's like you didn't what they should do is invest in some kind of clone technology <laughs> and you know, plan for the long term that's how i would use my draft capital if i was them um no i do i do think you're right there. it's it's actually funny because you know howie is so good at roster construction he's He's got maybe one of the five best backup quarterbacks in the league. Yeah. And he doesn't fit his offense. Right. That's what I mean. That's kind of what I mean. Is it's like do something to where you feel like, okay, we're not gonna be as effective, obviously, but it's like, how can we still cut like like you said, like Minshew's just not gonna threaten you as a runner. So how can we at least keep that concept in the offense to where sure the deep ball stuff won't be as good as it was with Hertz, but we can still throw up three or four a game and hope. AJ Brown, who's all of a sudden turned into Calvin Johnson down the field, can keep. <laughs> but then, but then Minshew, like we said, there's a world in which I can see God Minshew now running down the the sideline, wheeling yep. his arm. He's just thrown, you know, he's just driven down the field three yep. straight drives. He's got that swagger about him. He can move and create. He's got a decent arm. So he's he's the perfect prototype of a backup quarterback. So how he's like, I got the perfect prototype for backup quarterback, and not that I got it wrong, but like. We should still probably go get something else. He's just, he's too good at this. Yeah. He's, he's too good at roster construction. He is. I'm, I'm very jealous of Howie Roseman. I'll tell you that much. It's, <laughs> it's tough. You see it. It's tough as a division rival and somebody who doesn't want the Eagles to be good, consistently good for the last five <laughs> to six years. Um, it's not fun, but um, man, this is, like I said, this was awesome. I know, uh, you know, we I, I'd love to sit on here and talk more about the offense. Um, it's just it's something that I think the, they're gonna have to. I don't think it's something that they can really, unless Dak just goes absolutely na- bananas the rest of the year. It's just I think they're gonna have to get some weapons on this team that can threaten the field vertically to just open up more space and stuff like that. Because right now it just seems like everything's very condensed in space and it's, it's, it's not, I mean, d- defenses just know that you don't have anybody other than CD lamb and Tony Pollard. that can really beat you through the air. That's tough to <laughs> tough to really yeah. do. Yeah. So. I, I saw T Y Hilton talking about how, you know, you can't press him still yeah. and all this stuff. And it, again, he will be on the field. And as you said, he might wind up being the second most impactful <laughs> playmaker in a fortnight. That's true, but he's just the, not the perfect body type for the other yeah. stuff they want to do. So they got to dramatically change their offense right. 
heading into the playoffs when it's not like it's completely broken. You know, we're talking about when they lose these games and they've got giant leads. So, right. you know, within that statement where everyone get, has the meltdown is the part where they had the giant lead. So right. twice something was working and then they just, to me, it's more of a, yeah, it, they don't have enough dudes. So they can't just throw a dude ball, which is right. what they used to be able to do, which is the best thing you can do in the NFL, right? Is, hey, we've got AJ Brown, let's just throw it to him and he's going to beat everyone because we've got but a dude. They got that dude, but then he gets triple teamed on third and 10. And yeah. it's like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you need the other two guys as well. That's yeah. what you learn is once you've let them go, as you go, oh, no, with those guys, we could, we could do and with those guys back. That's why Philly's dangerous, man. It's like, you, okay. I mean, again, like people might shake a stick at Devontae Smith. That dude's a freak. Like for, for a dude who's not big and strong, that dude tracks the ball. He wins the ball in the air. He can make you miss in the open space. And you can put all the coverage you want on. AJ Brown and Dallas Goddard, and then you got to stop that dude. That's a tough task to do. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, Goddard, you mentioned that. I mean, he's yep. outside of Travis Kelsey. He's as as good as it comes both ways, as blocking and as a pass catcher. So, yeah, they got studs everywhere. And in Dallas, you're down to hoping on CD, and, and that's about it. You're saying they shouldn't have traded Mari Cooper for a fifth round pick. I'm assuming. Yeah, well, no, yeah. Watch what happened to the wide receiver market. A bit, a bit of a snafu, I think we could say, for them on that one. Although I will say, that to me, it's not so much about the specifics of Amar- of Amari. Obviously, having anyone would be helpful. Right. But he's still limited as, like, that's our backside glance. Right. Guy now. I do think he always could have been more than that, and he almost limited himself. He's still doing that shit in Cleveland. It's like, these are my four outs. Yeah. Yep. I do, coach. Put me in, coach. Um they should have expanded and used him a bit uh, more diverse. I thought maybe that's just what Amari thinks. And that's what he kind of reports back to the staff. I'm not so sure, but it's just having that second, that second threat. Right. And God, I don't know. Did they think it was going to be Jalen Tolbert in year one? If that's what they thought when they went into that draft. So yep. really yep. <laughs> bad plan. <laughs> yeah. That was not, yeah, that bad was plan. not the best. That was not the best of plans. Not when you're in this kind of title window, they are when you have, they know they're not going to have that defense for another six months, let alone right. it's not like a Start, six-year thing. It's already starting yeah. to falter a little bit, you know? Of course, yeah. And, you know, at some point you're going to have to pay Micah and you're going to you have to give him half of the stadium because he's <laughs> going to demand the biggest contract in the history of time, right? It's, you're going to have to go so off the books with that contract to even make it palatable. You know, he'll be he'll own half of Texas by the end of that <laughs> contractual negotiations to try and fit it under the cap. It's going to be out of control. Dan Quinn, unless they move him across into the head coaching seat, which they should have done last offseason, he's going to be off somewhere as a head coach, probably somewhere next year. And that's going to change all the dynamics there. So this was this was the window. And to not kind of keep the chips together or try and get more solidified known pieces, just a, just a whiff. Yeah. And it's 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 tough because going into the year, you almost felt like they were kind of almost doing like a small rebuild because they moved on from Lyle Collins. They, you know, traded Amari Cooper. And it's like, are they just kind of almost punting on the year and maybe going to look to load up for next year? So it's like, is a fan going into the year with having that in the back of your mind? You're kind of like, okay, it was, you know, not a bad year. You know, they still got a chance. If they could fix some things, they got a chance to make a little bit of a run. But like you said, like Dax in year seven, you know, going to be year eight, you know, it's, it's, Micah's going to get, a ton of money. Trayvon Diggs is going to get a ton of money. CD Lamb's going to get a ton of money. So like that cheap window that you should have had, even though your salary cap doesn't look that way because of some of the bad decisions you've made in the past was 
this next year or two. So if it doesn't happen this year, you really need to look up for next year because it's going to be a uh, tough one to, to do after that. This one is the year. Right now, defensively, when they rush four, this is a true fact. People listening, listen closely. This is insane. <laughs> okay. When they rush four people, they create 40% of pressure, right? They, their pressure rate is 40%. When they rush four, that is absurd. Yep. No one does that rushing five or six or whatever number you want. To, if, we, if we rushed all 11 and we gave them no blockers, no one's getting 40% pressure. That doesn't happen in the league, let alone with four. The key to winning the Super Bowl, obviously, is to get pressure before everyone knows that. You can do that through Sims and Creepers or an organic rush. They do it all, right? They, they run everything imaginable. And they're hitting the magical threshold that you just don't get in the league, right? Usually, if you can get around... 32 to 35 would be the magic number of okay we're really in contender status now because we're getting a, a, a you know a pressure on every third drop back with with four pass rushes they're getting 40 percent. that's that's wild they're first in the league in epa per play on third down again just another magic threshold mark obviously leading the league in in takeaways per game those are the three magic figures <laughs> so they they've Cross the three magic figure thresholds on defense to go and win it all. Um, and this is this is it because yeah. that won't be the case next season. One defense isn't sustainable year to year. And as I said, that at least Dan Quinn probably won't be there unless they make him the head coach, and that opens up a whole different kind of ones. Absolutely. Oh, this was great, man. I really appreciate it. Now, last time I'm gonna get you, not a football question, but I know there's gonna be so many people because I get this all the time. So many people, I'll send out a tweet, I'll post a video of all 22. And they're going to go, what makes you able to talk about football? Can you break down where you came from, what you did, what you do now, where people can find you and all that? Okay, where they can find me now, readoptional.substack.com. I used to be a professional football scout. That's what gives me the right, I guess, <laughs> to write and talk about football, as I used to be a scout, both at the college level and then for a bunch of different draft services for the NFL. And I would be sent off in the good old glory days. What a delightful time this was. You'd get given... In the preseason, go and watch Holy Cross, all of Holy Cross's games in 2014, and you got to go and find out if there's any decent draft eligible players and put together a board for the service. And let me tell you, there's a lot. Of, when you first start out and you get some of those assignments, and they, everyone knows there's no players, that's a um, that's a rough one. What you do, what you used to do, is you put together kind of like the early composite of like you know a thousand draft eligible guys that are worthy of teams going to look at and um, that's kind of how the, the league operates so they don't have to go and do the thursday night holy right. cross game because they know that guy's no you know there's no one even close to good enough i would work for one of the services and you're kind of working a year ahead of time for those services i would work for those services and obviously you work your way up thankfully until you get to the you know bahamas beach bowl or whatever <laughs> when you, you're five six years in um but yeah so that's that's my background um and then and then i became a writer after um doing the scouting stuff for far too long. Um, so, yeah, and now I'm at the Read Optional. As people, like I said, can go read readoptional.substack.com. Do you have a quick, funny, or great scouting story you can tell us before you get out of here? Quick, funny. Oh, man, if I didn't have the flu, I'd probably have a, a ton that would come to mind. <laughs> I'm, I'm, honestly, as you asked that, I'm filtering through the ones I know I'm not allowed to say, which is the problem. Those are always the ones that leaped out. I, we were sat there talking. I just got confused myself there that we were just sat, sat on a Zoom chatting. I was like, oh my God, people are going to listen to this. I almost just went through like three ones that I really shouldn't have said on air. So, 
you almost got me on that <laughs> you almost had you almost had amazing content i almost just lost my job it's what happened <laughs> i'm glad you didn't do that i'm glad you did not i'm glad i did not get you fired on this podcast <laughs> oh man that's great well hey think about it we'll have you on maybe again postseason time if you got some free time and then we'll, we'll get that story from you <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll pull out my five best pre-draft ones for you that have been cleared by the lawyers, and we. Can- <laughs> <laughs> I like it all the people. This is great. Um, we'll have you back on soon, man. This is awesome. Like I said, make sure you're following his work. Ollie does a lot of great, great uh, written stuff. I know you you don't have any podcasts or anything that people listen to, right? You're you're not. Oh yeah, really- I have a podcast, but it's through the Substack. So you go to the okay. Substack has the podcast on there too. Yeah. Cool. So check all that stuff out. Like I said, one of the the brighter football minds out there right now and stuff I enjoy reading and listening to all the time. So, uh, Ollie, thanks again, man. We'll, uh, hopefully do it again soon. And, and, um, let's go, let's go. I, I don't know if it's going to happen, but you kind of gave me some hope there towards the end. The Cowboys still got a decent shot at, at making a little bit of run this year. So, so let's go Cowboys. <laughs> let's go Dak. Thanks for having me anytime. There you go. I like that too. Ollie, thanks a lot, man. This is great. We'll, we'll do it again soon.